We've heard a lot about foreign affairs lately, and that's a good thing. For most of the last few years, Australian politicians have focused on domestic issues, although Professor Hugh White and many others have constantly reminded us, despite rebuffs from present and past governments, that we may have to choose between our strategic partner, the United States, and our main trading partner, Communist China. But now, in recent days, Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who in his first period of office hardly took his modest aircraft beyond our shores, has become something of a jet-setter. Hugging leaders, famous and infamous, and sprinkling the world with speeches of varying quality. And he's not stopped. Soon he'll be in Jakarta, hailing Jakarta's second term as president of Indonesia, the world's largest Muslim country, and then later to Delhi for a state visit to India, the world's largest democracy, on the invitation of Prime Minister Modi. What are we to make of all this? Morrison appears to have felt the need to fill the void left by the person he called the classy Julie Bishop. His replacement for her as foreign minister, Maurice Payne, has been found wanting. So it was the Prime Minister himself who delivered his administration's foreign policy speech to the Lowy Institute earlier this October. As I wrote last week, it was good in parts, but marred perhaps by his Trumpian mantra that putting Australia first is his Bible of foreign policy. Well, that may be the case, but we can question whether it's true if, as he said, respect for a rules-based system, law and order, and open free trade is our cornerstone. If that's the case, why is he on such hugging terms with President Donald Trump, whose latest disgrace is his portrayal of the Kurds, plunging Syria into further chaos, adding almost a million dispossessed to the world refugee total, and giving ISIS a scary revival? You might have thought cabinet ministers would have something to say about all this, but no. Payne pulled out of her billing as the keynote speaker at the Australian Institute of International Affairs annual conference in Canberra, and her junior stand-in avoided anything controversial. Opposition spokesman Penny Wong added criticism, but little else. Fortunately, National President Alan Gingell saved the day with a comprehensive, thoughtful and penetrating analysis on Australia's diplomatic strategy. His rhetorical question was, is it possible for Australia to influence the direction of the emerging world? And if so, how should we go about it? Before answering this question, Alan gave us a salutary reminder about the state of our economy within our region. Australia is in relative decline, he said, continuing, and I paraphrase, at the beginning of the 1990s, the Australian economy was bigger than all the ASEAN countries combined. In purchasing power parity terms, Indonesia's economy is now three times bigger than ours. That doesn't mean absolute decline, of course, but it does mean that if we are to exercise influence in the places that matter most to us, including Southeast Asia, the South Pacific and international forums, where issues like trade and climate change are addressed, will need to work harder. As Alan points out, states have three ways of exercising influence. Two of them, 
inducement and coercion are largely beyond Australia's reach. And here's what he told the AIIA. We don't have the resources to induce or bribe other countries on any grand scale, and fear of our economic or military clout isn't going to be decisive enough to coerce other states to react in ways that might be contrary to their interests. <laughs> this is a very welcome dose of realism. And here are some more wise words, where Alan questions slogans like Australia is a middle power punching above its weight. Here's what he said. This sort of name game is really irrelevant. It doesn't much matter how we describe ourselves. All we need to know is that Australia is not a great power. Not even our closest neighbours will do what we want just because we can force them. Ah, yes, but what about our relationships like that with the Trump White House that Prime Minister Morrison covets so much? The AIIA national president points out that the easy alignment of Australian and American economic interests over the last 40 years has ended. Australian leaders still publicly support an open, rules-based international trading system. The current US administration, Alan points out, does not. This is Alan's view, quotes, America is simply less engaged with the international system and multilateral institutions as a whole. When President Trump told the United Nations a couple of weeks ago that he rejected the ideology of globalism in favour of the ideology of patriotism, we knew we were operating in a very different world from any previous one that Australia has known. Furthermore, America's interest in alliances themselves has waned. In recent decades, Australia's leaders have often told us that the United States is asking its allies to do more for themselves. But now, Washington is asking its allies to do more for the United States. So there we are. I do urge everyone to read Alan's full analysis. There's a direct link to it on this website. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you.